LeeTDickey.com. Do you have an event or occasion coming up that could use a special touch? Perhaps a wedding, a production, a show? Good! Then you're in luck. Haley Moores is who you're looking for. Haley is a makeup artist in the Toronto, Ontario area, specializing in bridal, glam, natural, and special effects. She's incredibly talented, professional, easy to work with, and has a personality that is second to none. To book Haley Moores today, follow her on Instagram at mad underscore malash, that's M-A-D underscore M-I-L-A-S-H, or email her at madmalash, again, that's M-A-D-M-I-L-A-S-H, at gmail.com. Book Haley Moores today, you'll be glad you did. LeeTDickey.com LeeTDickey.com everybody hey how are you hope you're all doing well welcome to another episode of the beats and speaks podcast i am your host lee dickey and today this week we're talking video games specifically a video game console even more specifically than that an ill-fated i don't want to call it an ill thought out but an ill-received video game console from nintendo we are talking the virtual boy but before we get into discussing the virtual boy and my opinions and my thoughts on the console i want to tell you where you can find the beats and speaks podcast of course the beats and speaks podcast releases new episodes every friday at midnight eastern time on itunes apple Podcasts, spotify google play my official website leetdicky.com and youtube all the links to where you can find the beats and speaks podcast will be listed below in the description if you'd like to be a guest please do email me at leetdicky at gmail.com and we will go from there and set something up but now that all that housekeeping is out of the way oh and before i forget please do rate and comment and like us five stars on your favorite podcast app and player of choice because that helps us climb in the rankings and helps us produce new episodes and new content for you so you can keep enjoying the beats and speaks podcast as i keep producing and enjoying or and enjoy just doing this show for you all but now that all the housekeeping is out of the way let's get into my thoughts on nintendo's virtual boy right here on the beats and speaks podcast all right so yes nintendo's virtual boy now i was i don't know if you want to call me lucky or unlucky but i was one of the ones that didn't have nintendo's virtual boy now the virtual boy came out in between the sega genesis and super nintendo the and the nintendo 64 and the sony playstation one so that was that weird 32-bit era of the video game industry and video game lifetime basically where everything was you're going up in you graphically and in terms of like quality of video games you're going up right but it was that time where we didn't quite or at least like the technology wasn't there and didn't quite know how to get polished completed good video games and i came across the idea or i decided to do this episode after watching the Angry Video Game Nerds, or James Rolfe's, review of the Nintendo Virtual Boy. And then I found a photo uh, of the Virtual Boy on Google and threw it into this, into the Throwback Lounge Facebook group 
that I belong to along with about 50,000 other people. And the response that I got was, yes, it wasn't the greatest console, but a lot of people actually did own the thing, and or they've since come to own one where they've found it for very cheap, and they've probably got a hand. There were only a handful of games released for the console itself, the Virtual Boy. And the way it works is it's basically a small tripod with sort of virtual reality augmented goggles, if you want to say that. It's your left eye goes in the left eye hole, your right eye goes in the... It's, it's goggles on a stand, right? But you, you, the cartridges, are. I think they're a little bit bigger than the uh, Game Boy cartridges of uh, from Nintendo, but they go in the front of the console in the... What is it? It's in the eyepiece, and then you sit or kneel, and you look through lenses or, like, the goggle parts, obviously. They're like, you know the, the 3D glasses you get when you go to movies? Things like that. It's just kind of, you look through eye holes and the games they load up. But everything's in red, right? So you had, like, Mario's Tennis. You had 3D Tetris. You had Teleroboxer, which was, like, in a first-person sort of virtual reality sort of feel, which was the idea behind the Nintendo Virtual Boy. And you didn't quite get that with a lot of the other games. Like, Wario had a game on the console, which a lot of people seem to like. I know a lot of people in the Throwback Lounge group said that, yeah, my mom bought me this for, like, $300, and I barely touched it, or, like, I really didn't, didn't like it. And to those of you that have the console now or did have it back then, I, the response is about 50-50, right? People liked it, or people, they look back on it with fond memories. But I think at the time, the Nintendo Virtual Boy was universally panned as one of the worst consoles ever. And it probably still is panned as one of the worst consoles ever. And that's too bad. Like, to think about how far we've come since then, great. But we're here to talk about the Virtual Boy, and they even had a, a game based on, I think it was based on the Kevin Costner film, Waterworld, and it had the same title. But you had something like Red Alarm or Red Alert that was pretty much a Starbucks, or uh, I'm going to say, I said Starbucks, <laughs> I mean Star Fox uh, knockoff, where everything's in, it was red. It was basically red polygons, like Mario's Tennis would be pretty cool. Uh, I know that they did uh, Mario Tennis on the Nintendo 64, which I loved. I didn't have it, I have, and I, I don't own a copy of Mario Tennis on the Nintendo 64, but I loved the game. I remember renting it and falling in love with it. But, yeah, I just think there were, I think there was a golf game on the, uh, on the uh, Virtual Boy, Nestor's Funky Bowling, which was one of those North American exclusives, because there were, I think, 19 released in Japan, uh, 19 games for the Virtual Boy released in Japan, and then you get about 14 over here in North America. Now, there are about, obviously, about five or six others that are J Japanese exclusives, um, and to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce those names, because I'm going to butcher them, and I don't want to do that on this show. But, it's just... The, the response, like I said, is 50-50. People look back on it 
with rose-tinted glasses, I guess, because it was a simpler time for them. And they look back on the console with, I guess, fond memories, right? Where they actually really did enjoy the console, and if they owned it, they enjoyed their time with it. Yes, they can admit that for the price tag, you know, somebody said it was $300, that it wasn't worth the money. I have yet to own one, and I have no desire to go out and find one. There are some people that say, look, I, I bought mine at a garage sale for $250, $3, and Lord knows what, they, what they've done with them, because they didn't uh, say what they did with them. They probably stashed them somewhere, if they still have them. And I know that some people are like, well, I wish I still had mine. But for a universally panned console, there's a lot of love for it out there. I guess because for a lot of people, it brings back memories and it brings back a simpler time in their life, in their childhoods. But, I mean, with the, with the Virtual Boy being what it was, it's an attempt at, you know, 3D augmented reality, virtual reality, really. I get. I mean, you could give them a thumbs up if you want for an attempt, but for the price tag that they shilled it for, it's not necessarily something that I don't, I don't know for something that was universally panned as that would cause like headaches and migraines and like it wasn't all that well designed anyway because it's basically goggles on a small paper thin plastic tripod and they call they marketed it as a portable game console how can you make that like how is that portable like, the amount of batteries that i'm sure that thing took would be astronomical right i mean you have the controller you have the console itself plus the games that's not all that portable if you have to stick all that in a bag somehow and then not, not to mention like you go to a park and you got to lay down and have the 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 eyepiece over your face and then try and enjoy i use that term loosely and in air quotes enjoy the games and enjoy like some gameplay depending on how long the batteries last i mean back in those days i'm sure if you played it for an extended period of time the console would just eat up a whole bunch of juice on your batteries but i you know people look back on it with fond memories because it's a simpler time in their life and i can see that but, I mean, again, like I said, I have no desire to go out and find a Virtual Boy with the amount of, uh, or with, with the quality of consoles that we have now, you know, with the PlayStation 4, the uh, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch, and then the next generation of consoles when it comes to, like, the PlayStation 5 and the uh, Xbox Series one x or whatever that they're you know whatever microsoft's calling their next generation console but i i have no desire to go out and find one but i mean yeah i looking back on it you had things like virtual fishing which was a japanese exclusive virtual baseball which is something i probably would buy because i'm a huge baseball fan same thing with nestor's funky bowling because i love bowling i mean i'll watch it on tv if it comes on and i mean i haven't been to a bowling alley in years i'd love to go you know just to play again but anything that's sort of like sports related on the consoles when it comes to like the virtual boy i probably would have tried out knowing me i would have tried mario's tennis i would have probably i would have pr probably loved mario's tennis and 
tell the boxer because it's basically like a first person uh, beat him up. And I, I don't know. I mean, that, that would have been fun, I guess. You know, Nestor Swanky Bowling, like I said, I would have loved because I'm a fan of bowling. Virtual Baseball would have loved that because I'm a giant fan of baseball. Surprised they didn't have like a, a football game uh, for the console. I think that would have been cool too. But those are just like my thoughts on the console. I, to be honest, I really can't say with all certainty would I pan it. I, I can't really say without actually getting my hands on one that I would. But after watching, you know, the Angry Video Game Nerds review of the Nintendo Virtual Boy and then just seeing ads and pictures and how it looked seeing people's responses to like I wonder if anybody actually bought this thing and this it was there were games in production or at least released as late as December of 1996 and I think the first ones came out in either 93 or 94 so it was a short lifespan didn't last very long there weren't many games for it it was universally panned by the critics and probably the fans alike at the time and maybe still to this day but i mean for me i have no desire to go out and buy one but can i pan it i i doubt it because i i haven't actually gotten a physical unit and i haven't gotten any physical games for it but in terms of like comfort level there was none at least from what i saw because you had to either kneel put this thing on a table and then just lean forward which could either it could really mess up your vision your neck your head things like that and it comes with a warning when it says extended play could cause migraines and there are other health risks when you manufacture a console right the idea is to not make it a health hazard and when you have to put a disclaimer in your console, in the software, in the build of the thing that says extended use could cause headaches, migraines, and all other health uh, issues and risks and what have you, why would you even, why even sell the thing? I, I don't get it. You know, like, I can understand putting sort of epileptic warnings in front of some video games right like i understand that because video games mostly are flashing lights and pretty you know flashing lights pretty colors and they're all over the place they're video games they're meant to be an escape i understand that with some games you're going to get like an epilepsy warning this game has like flashing strobe lights and what have you and may cause seizures i get that in this day and age and even back then i understand that but if your entire console is basically a health hazard, right? If you say extended periods of gameplay will cause headaches, migraines, probably head and neck pain. I mean, this is sort of, you know, doctor, this is sort of something that had Dr. Ho's pain relief system come out back in, say, like 1994 or 1995, that would have been perfect for him. I mean, throw that up on, you know, an infomercial back then, and he be a gazillionaire today but when your entire console basically comes with a giant health disclaimer every time you turn it on why even sell and market the thing i get the money aspect of it but to be quite honest 
if you have to use it, then that's basically admitting that this thing's going to be universally panned and we should pull back. And that's what they did three years into the thing. They basically discontinued it and, you know, we, we, we went in there. As video game fans, we went into the Nintendo 64, we, we went into the Sony PlayStation, and everything just took off from there, right? Everything just sort of got better from there, but the universal response, and to a point, even though I've never physically had my hands on the, a unit of the Nintendo Virtual Boy, is universally panned, and I'd have to agree. Like, just for that disclaimer alone, and the fact that it's not very aesthetically pleasing, and just it would just be awkward to try and play it out in public, not to mention at your house, but I, of course this was like the mid to the early to mid 90s and the technology wasn't there yet so like i'm trying to give you both sides of the argument i don't know how well of a job i'm doing but that's just those are just my opinions on nintendo's virtual boy i think that nintendo thought that they were ahead of the curve and nintendo thought that they were with the times and maybe even ahead of the time but once that thing came out it just bit the dust and it just it it looks terrible and it doesn't really deliver a virtual reality aspect or feel that they want it to or that they wanted it to and the fact that it comes with a giant health disclaimer basically tells you you should stay away from it and i'd have to agree with a lot of people when they say yeah this thing sucks and to the people that actually bought one uh, you know when they were first available you can look on it look back on it with rose tinted glasses and that's all well and good but uh, in a way i feel bad for you because you knew that you never like after a while even after a short while you knew that you probably weren't going to touch it again and it's too bad that i know that nintendo tried they failed i'm sure that they've admitted that all these years later but still the nintendo virtual boy is sort of like a mark in video game history and video game lore and it's sort of like this lost relic so i mean those are my thoughts on the nintendo virtual boy what do you guys think let me know in the comments below please do comment like share and subscribe find us on your favorite podcast app and player of choice as well as my official website leetdicky.com you will find all the episodes there if you want to be a guest on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, please do email me at leetdickey at gmail.com. All the information will be listed in the description down below. Please do rate us five stars and leave us reviews because that helps us produce new episodes and new content because I love doing this show and you love listening to it. So thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Of course, I have been your host. Lee Dickey, and I am signing off. We'll see you all again next Friday at midnight Eastern time for a brand new episode of the Beats and Space Podcast. Lee Dickey, signing off. Peace. LeeTDickey.com